Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Woodman Corner, the West Bromwich Albion podcast that thinks the championship is the place to be. I am Graham Brown and I am joined by my regular uh, cohort, uh, Joe Chapman, how are you doing, mate? I'm, I'm well, mate, considering uh, it's, it's obviously been a really rubbish 24 hours for everybody concerned with Albion. It was the inevitable that maybe even as early as Saturday we actually thought it was something that could be reversible, but really it's, it's a real bang down to earth and... So yeah, so obviously this is the first podcast since uh, since Albion's relegation was confirmed. Um, uh, we'll, we'll talk about Saturday in a minute, but go on, t- tell us how did you spend the uh, the Southampton uh, Swansea game? What, what what was it like for you? <laughs> well, I was working, so I kind of had the game on in the background. Uh, it was incredible, actually the the uh, the emotions you go through in in a match such as that when your team's not involved. Yeah. And I never again want to have to sit through something and hope for a draw. It was it's really the, interesting. It's the most horrible outcome to tr- to have to and like. The, hope the, for. the whole kind of accountability thing, really. It's like like generally, you know, you've got some degree of involvement. If you're a game, you know, you're sort of part of it in terms of um, like cheering your team on, and you have a kind of ownership of your team. So, so if they win and lose and blah blah blah, they're yours. Whereas it's such a weird thing that you're so involved in a game in which you have no accountability, no. Yeah. Um, no, no real uh, investment in either either team. It was it's, it's an interesting thing, and I think oh, great. I, I don't have, I don't have to do that again very often. Did you watch the game? Did you see it? No, no, no. God, no. no. Uh, I had it kind of following me around uh, around the house. I listened to it on the radio, and that, but no, I purposely didn't really want to watch it. No, well, I, I kind of I, I spotted a lot of people on Twitter talking about how they couldn't sit and watch it, and no. I kind of realised after a while that I didn't really want to be watching it. And in a weird in a weird way, I couldn't take my eyes off it. It was kind of yeah. It was like pinball. And uh, uh, you know, in both penalty areas, and you're like, please, somebody just lump it back into the centre circle, yeah, and awesome. that was the gist of the game for 90 minutes. And it was actually, but uh, and Albion fans might agree with me, and others may not, but it was a sense, sense of relief when Gabbiadini scored because you thought, well, to yourself, there's 20 minutes or so to go. We can now focus all our desire uh, and uh, on one team on and one, one on, 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 yeah, on okay, goal because you didn't know what you were kind of hoping for. You know, you're. you're Hoping for nil nil and hoping for two two are two very different things, aren't they? Yes, yeah, yeah, it was it was it was sixty five seventy minutes of pure anxiety tension, and uh, yeah, it was almost it was almost like that Gabbiadini goal which ultimately relegated. It, it was almost like just being put out of your misery. Yeah. So anyway, that happened uh, a couple of days before another thing happened. God, how did you find the uh, the Spurs experience? It was incredible. It it was. Uh, it was obviously on the back of the. I was in the fan zone before the game. It was my day off, so I decided to wander down to the Hawthorns as a as a fan in this medic end and um, watching the uh, the. It was obviously a glorious day. It's been a glorious week weather wise. It was uh, it was a fabulous day for for watching sport and drinking copious amounts of lager. And in the fan zone, a couple of hours before the game, uh, was catching up with a few mates and uh, the Palace game on, of course, and. Uh, I got to the I got to the fan zone just before half time and it was one 0 Stoke. I thought, for God's sake, mm. come on, Palace, come on, Roy, we need a favour. And um, Palace played. To be fair, for a team that I've got nothing to play for, Palace they've got a very talented squad, but they were they were they were excellent in the second half and did yeah. us a huge favour. And when that and Van Arnold goal went in, it was like an Albion goal had been scored in the in the fan zone, the, the cheering and whatnot. Yeah. And then of course you you then have to turn your attention to the Albion game itself and. Uh, I feared that it might fall flat on its backside. Really, you, you thought, well, maybe Spurs, who have got so much to play for, still need to turn up and might roll us over two, three nil. And 
the longer that the game went on, and Spurs didn't really ever look like scoring. Sounds odd, but nah. And then you thought, oh, do you know what? This is going to be even more anticlimactic because it's nil nil, and it's almost we're too close to. Do you know? I didn't think that. I mean, I'm really, I'm a really kind of um, pessimistic Albion fan. But for some reason, it changes when it's sunny. A lot of my best memories of Albion have got is, is when it's sunny. It seems, it's always seemed to me that when it, when the sun comes out and Albion play at the Hawthorns, they tend we don't to have, win. we don't have very good witness, do we? No, uh, 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 no, exactly. Um, December, so January are December, that. January are notorious Albion, especially in the Premier League era. Are notorious for not playing very yeah, well. Yeah, well, that's it. And if there's big puddles and that, I basically know we're going to lose. Players but, like the players. I mean, you look at back. It's actually a very interesting point you made. Uh, Roberto Di Matteo got sacked in the winter, or you know, kind of coming into the the spring. Mm. Uh, Steve Clark got sacked in December. Alan Irving got sacked in December. All these managers that and you have look kind at the other, come and gone. The and great moments, of the Hawthorns. A lot of them around the playoffs. You know, you've got the great escape. Blah blah blah. There's loads of just just around the Villa, beating the Villa, Crystal Palace, yeah. Loads escape, of things happen yeah. when so it's always a good feel. For it. And it's unlikely, but I, throughout the whole game, I thought we're going to win this. It, it, maybe not. Maybe if you told me ninety minutes, I, I might not have thought it. But I did think we. Were, I just thought it was going to happen. It was a great and way it, to sign off. Obviously, it hasn't worked out for us, but it was a great way to sign off at the Hawthorns for a season. Yeah, and. Um, Delighted for Darren Moore. Yes, he was, he was ice cool as well. He, you know, he, he's he's just he's just the calmest bloke in the ground. Well, let's spend no longer than sixty seconds on this point because we ask it about it every week. But if you change your mind, should Darren Moore be the next Albion manager slash head coach? Quickly? Oh, it's it's becoming a very very unpopular opinion. But for the course of forty six matches, I agree on one hand. I don't want to sound like I'm I'm being the you know the total kind of the polar right down the middle. And I'm, I haven't got an opinion. It's becoming increasingly difficult to look anywhere else. I, I accept that, and I'm, I'm not sure over 46 games, Darren Moore, out of a totally different squad, it's going to be a totally different squad. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, where are we supposed to be next season? I don't know. I don't yeah. know what's expected of us. Well, I flip flopped a bit, little bit more than you. So what I, my take is, if if I look at the the candidates who could potentially take over Albion I can only name two maybe three that I'd now want more than Darren Moore I'd probably just on balance want Dean Smith more I'd probably just on balance want Nigel Pearson more and I think I might prefer Steve Clark but I'd prefer Darren Moore to a lot of the people on that list now Michael Appleton probably Chris Wilder um, Shakespeare yeah I'd prefer more to all of cause I, and, then, and, and, and I don't want to go on a bit for ages but the other thing I think is he might fit into the structure better than a lot of those players I think those um. And so I, th- I would like. I would imagine Jenkins is going to want to get control over recruitment again. Nothing more would fit well into that. So I mean, in terms of that, that overseeing a um, a transition, I think he needs he needs um, an experienced person backing him up. Because I think the problem is what happens when he loses three games. How does he respond to yep. that? Yeah, he, he just doesn't have that in his locker. So he ne- he kind of needs that. But I mean, Certainly. actually, as a manager that brings a squad together quickly. That has to be changed around quickly. He might, he might be the right person. Well, uh, yeah, I take your point absolutely about the backroom staff being actually there on the touchline alongside him is, is going to be vital. Yeah. As regards to recruitment, it's obviously uh, going to be interesting to see Ooh, what becomes of what becomes of Terraneo and 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 the exact role he has to play and how much influence he has. Realistically, whoever they bring in can't be that involved with recruitment because you know recruitment is a He's a long play. And That's why know, Smith would fit the bill because of his role at Brentford. And, yeah, he's you know, not a role it, there. It, 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 he's, in, he's in a very similar uh, role there. So anyway, uh, obviously, uh, Woodman Corner extends its massive thanks to Darren Moore and, uh, and yeah. uh, we, we're, we put out our, um, our shout for him to be knighted, um, which, which, which we think should happen immediately. 
while we're on uh, on it, we should probably return to our um, our regular feature. Everything we love about Alan Parsons. <laughs> uh, well, okay, more of that next week. <laughs> uh, right. So, so today, what we're here for is we we're down now, so it's time to start to assign blame. So, what we've done is oh, Joe and I have gone away. Yeah. Yes, we've te- we, we've looked at the. We've looked at the various uh, the various contributory factors to Albion's season, and we're going to rank them in. Uh, we've got our own rankings in terms of of, of where they've uh, they've come down. So, we're gonna, I'll go first, and then Joe can do his. So it's like yep. eight lines. So this is mine. Number one, Alan Pardew. Number two, <laughs> Williams and Goodman. Number three, Guangzhou Lai. Number four, the players. Number five, Mark Jenkins. Number six, Anthony Pulis. Number seven, Nick Hammond, and number eight, the fans. So there are eight areas. That's my list. I have Pardew at the top. I've got Pulis near the bottom. I've got the players in the middle. Mm. Go on, Joe. What's well, your list? I've ever so slightly changed mine up. So from one to eight, I've gone with John Williams and Martin Goodman as number one. Okay. I've gone with Mark Jenkins as number two. Right. I've got Alan Pardew at three. Tony Pulis at four. The players at five. Nick Hammond at six. Gushan Light seven, and the fans at eight, and I'm still questioning why we've even got the fans on this list. Yeah, I think. I think. Well, I, I, I talked about this on Twitter before. <laughs> Disclaimer: so, like, Graham raised... Brown, no, uh, notorious Graham Brown, asked me to add to that. Yeah, list well, so, so, someone raised it before, so I thought we'd throw it in there. But when I thought about it, I, I was. I actually think the part, the fans might have had a slight part to play. We'll come back to talk about this, in a minute, but, but I don't think it was a massive mm. kind of contributory factor. Um, well, let's let's go through this. So, so, so we'll take my list and we'll we'll kind of debate. So you can't see this, guys, but Graham Brown has got a fantastically detailed sheet here. Yeah, I like gonna, uh... I like order. Yeah, um, <laughs> which incidentally is not something Albion have been accustomed to this. No. So, so it's interesting. So we'll come. To, so, so what's clear, like from how we've we've uh, put this together, is that you give greater um, you you apportion greater blame to the most senior decision makers in the club. So, so. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think I think it's interesting that. I mean, the part of the reason why Jenkins is quite so low for me is that we'll get into this, but but he, he wasn't here for a long part of, that, of this season. Um, but but I think fundamentally, I can see, see your point. But let's let's go. Well, we'll take my list. Yes. So Alan Pardew. So I would say if I was drawing a um, pie chart of the reasons Albion got relegated, I think Alan Pardew would account for three quarters of that pie chart. And I'll tell you why, and I probably say this sort of thing every week. But I think most, not only would most football managers have kept Albion up this season, I'd contest most humans would have kept Albion up this season. I think if you look, that the stat now says, is, does the stat say that, that Albion, even if you're taking Tony Pulis' awful um, time, the 19 games that, that, um, that, if you take out the 19 games that Pardew managed Albion this year, they'd be in the top 10. Mm. Pardew was an appalling manager. He was an appalling appointment, and anyone who's involved with it is accountable just as much as he is. But he couldn't have done that job any worse. He couldn't have. Uh, uh, you hear tales, and I've heard it too often, not to be to a certain extent true. If the players not been prepared for games, certainly from what you looked at, it didn't appear that way. You hear tales of the sort of individual that he is. Don't know whether or not that happened at, that happened at Albion, but there's a lot of talk around Taxigate and so on. The dealing of Taxigate, don't think it's a massive issue, but he didn't deal with it very well. I don't think Alan Pardew did one thing well in all the time he came here, and it's the most. Um, I, I said on Twitter in the week, if I had to list the three things that out the three most stupid things I've been doing all the time I've been an Albion fan, recruiting and Tony Par- Tony Tony Pardew, recruiting Harvey uh, nightmares and stuff like recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> Recruiting Alan Pardew would be number one. 
keeping Alan Pardew with number two <laughs> and not sacking him for very long uh, for, for long after with number three. It was it was an abortion of a decision. He was an abortion of a manager, and he relegated Albion. God, uh, yeah, this is. Alan, you have Alan Pardew fourth on your mm, list. So yeah, I've 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 taken more of a. Oh, I've got him third. I've I've taken more of a um, kind of top down view of it. I think uh, I think the people ultimately the decision makers, the likes of Alan Pardew and Tony Pulis, when it comes to tactics and it comes to team selections and blah blah. Uh, that's all well and good, and they can be criticised for whatever um, in 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 that particular department. But ultimately, whether they're there or not belongs to the decision above them. Yeah. So it might be a bit boring. You know, it might be something that a fan might not take as much interest in as what's on the field. When you're a football fan, you want to turn up every Saturday afternoon and watch your team play in 90 minutes. But week by week, the decisions are being made around around the club or in a boardroom. And... You know, it, it stems back to I've got I've got John Williams of mine, Governor. It stems back to giving Tony Pulis a new deal. Yeah. In the summer. Why do you think that was so so telling? For the second season in a row, they've tailed off really quite badly as well. You know, yeah. they they I think they took two points from nine games. Uh, I don't think it was any more than that. That it was quite clear that both seasons the season before they did nine games as well that wasn't a wake up call then I don't know what it is you look at Burnley this season they've kept going and going and going they've got no interest in slowing down Yeah. they want seventh place they want Europe Sean Dyche is a very very likeable bloke but he's also quite clearly a very very good man manager and while I'm saying while I wouldn't say Pulis isn't a bad while I'm saying he isn't a bad man manager he's clearly a good manager because of his reputation his career would, would dictate that <sighs> His, his race had been run and the decision to give him another year only to then sack him in November and pay him off however much it would have been it, it was just catastrophic and I know we weren't in the bottom three when he when he got sacked and the season could have been, still been salvaged but therein lies another decision as well to appoint Alan Pardew well while we're on Pardew so I haven't prepared you for this but we're going to have an impromptu quiz now okay. and you have to answer these questions yes or no Within three seconds of me asking it, you got you have a maximum of three seconds to uh, to wait. Oh. So I'm gonna, what I'm asking you now is, Alan Pardew had 19 games this season. Yep. You take Alan Pardew in and you bring in the person I'm about to name. Yes or no, would they have kept Albino? Okay. Right. So uh, those 19 games, Darren Moore. Yes. Anthony Pulis. <laughs> no. Thora Heard. Uh, going by humans now. Uh, no. Joe Chapman. Do I fancy my chances? Yes. I do. Uh, football editor Matt Kendrick. No, he'd have, he'd have, he'd have been an undercover Bella. Someone who's never seen any football matches before. Um, I think they'd have given it a good go. Steve Clark. Yes, without question. Uh, Chris Wilder. Yes. Harry Redknapp. Yes. Okay, well, I think that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. Thor I heard. <laughs> I, I, I could test that practically anyone on earth would have kept them. No, up. well, I'll take your point. But, but you've, you, so you've, you've dealt with Williams Goodman that. I'd agree. I mean, fundamentally, Williams Goodman recruited Pardew. They bit the bullet for that, and rightly so. Um, and so, so they have a big involvement. That's why they're number two for me. I think they were. It was, um, it was just a very. Uh, struck me as quite a lazy appointment. It was like Alan Pardew, one of the more. Um, I suppose he was, he was, he was most eligible 
uh, free agent, wasn't he? Yeah, but that was, I mean, that was stupid in its own. I've made this point before. You've got, got to go and get the Romain money. That's on loan. Yeah. That we're paying £20 million pound for across a season or something like that, you know, maybe maybe fifteen million. You know, if you take the money that they're spending on Krakowiak and Sturridge, they've spent an absolute fortune on these players who almost never play. Meanwhile, the manager is absolutely over everything. They took the cheapest option. It was it was appalling. And the the, the thing, yeah, that, absolutely. I actually think, I mean, I think I think you've had to rank the things they did wrong. Recruiting Alan Pardew is top. As I say, recruiting Alan Pardew is top of the stupidest things I've ever known in any <laughs> any sphere. But um, but the but quite Palace and Newcastle be, supporters. Uh, were very, very, uh, were very, very clear in their in warning uh, Albion fans on yeah. social media when the the, the day party was appointed. It was a, it was a lazy, cheap appointment. We hope for that bounce. All that's all I can say is, and I'll say I said at the time, we hope for that bounce. The Alan party has had that bounce at Newcastle, the bounce at Crystal Palace. Uh, please just deliver us that. And it never arrived. What is, and of course, he blamed Gary Megson for that. What I was going to say is the second reason, and, and reason why probably actually, you, you make a good point about what they're top. I mean, Alan Pardew will always be top for me, but Albion now have the best paid poor squad in the country, in the world, in fact. Because England is the home for it's poor, one out of a, it's poorly one out of a, paid Africans. It's one out of a salary. Uh, There's no question about it, realistically. They're the eighth best paid uh, team, and yet they are the 19th best team in the country. And realistically, They've got wor- they've got worse players. I know that's twentieth, sorry. Uh, they've got worse players than Stoke, Southampton, maybe not Swansea. But I mean, they're, they they they're, there's some players in that team that are paid a ridiculously small amount. And the reason being, I think, is kind of kind of a wider structure. I mean, you bring Hammond into that as well. Puny's had this kind of control over the players. They weren't moving players around enough. They weren't dealing with the aging squad quick enough. So they're paying players like poor players because they. That's an alternative to actually recruiting as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take your point. Absolutely. Um, so forgive me there might be some uh, background noise but we'll continue to plough on um, La- so I've got Lye in third place I mean I think Lye's a bit as above really Lye's accountable for the things that William Goodman d- did all I would say about Lye is and I, t- and, and, I, and I take this to the grave the biggest loss that Albion have had is Jeremy Peace I think Jeremy Peace is a really underrated um, part of the Albion story I think um I think there's a lot of lot of accounts. I think Ash, Dan Ashworth today did a terrific job. There's no question about that. And there's there's others, Roy Hodgson and so on, that have been a big part of it. But the the fundamental um, uh, the, the, the the creating an organisation which knew what it was doing, which had a plan, which which was more dynamic than its rivals. I think um, we did that for a long time. I always the example I always point to is. Um, Sacking Roberto Di Matteo to bring in Roy Hodgson to, to to seize on that moment, that sort of thing. Albin stopped being a proactive organisation when Peace left. I think I don't think I don't think Lai is active at all in terms of, of how Albin um, are run. No. I don't think it's a big part of it, but I suppose if 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 we are dishing out blame, we lost what was a very 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 good chairman and gained an absent one. I'd guess. So you get anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, you you look at kind of our nearest and dearest neighbours and. Wolves owners very hands on. Yep. Villa owner very hands on. Uh, you've got an Albion owner that turns up only when the big boys are in town, and uh, you know he kind of throws you a gesture here and there, throw you a free scarf or a pint or whatever. But really, you know, you he, he's kind of almost he's he's arrived at the club. He's made some appointments at the board level, and he said, "Right, guys, get on with it." Well, if I had to say, if I had to say, sorry, crusher, um, what's one idea that Albion have had as a, as a squad team? Yeah, since they've come, what have they tried? What have they, what, 
what have they done? You know, what, what, what have they kind of become about? You know, so an idea like so, so Albert obviously had a tangible idea one time under peace that was pay pay um, less in transfer fees and pay more in wages. But I don't think that might be an outmoded notion now. But at the time it worked. Have, well, have they ever come up with an idea since then? This 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 new regime doesn't have ideas. No, it's it just, It's I like mean, it's like run a team. Well, okay. So put put a chairman in and then get, off you go. I, I I was very much on the kind of bandwagon in the summer that that was, I, I classed it as a very very successful transfer window on paper. Yeah. Uh, I've since been proven extremely wrong. As have we all, really. Uh, but you can understand why we got excited. We, you know, on paper, and I'll I'll reiterate that. We signed a winger from the Bundesliga for 15 million quid. Yep. Uh, we signed a, a Premier League winner in central midfield. We signed a player from Paris Saint-Germain yep. on loan. Uh, who else do we bring in? I'm not including Zhang in this. No. Uh, we, no, no. We, we signed Kieran Gibbs, very, very capable Premier League defender. We kept Johnny Evans. We kept yeah, Johnny yeah. Evans, which was enormous at the time looking back. Yeah. The way, the way you know, the, the big boys were queuing up for him. Uh, I just... I'm Jay Rodriguez has proven to be a very, very decent, decent signing. But I mean, other than that, you're struggling, aren't you? When you when you look back, we just didn't. We signed a lot of midfielders. Um, didn't sign another centre out and out centre forward. Rodriguez has played very well as number ten, but we didn't sign another centre. Yeah, forward we rem- we remain a striker. Like, funny enough, until the 30th of January, I, anyway, when we signed Daniel Sturridge. I, I put a tweet out before. One of the first responses was, you know, Black Pulis is number one for me because. It was the most hope. It was the most horribly imbalanced squad that I've ever seen. Do you do you agree with that? I mean, I think we're a striker like the squad, and I think our wide players are too similar. And yeah, I think, absolutely. Yeah, but, I agree. But I, mean, I actually think the in defence they haven't dealt with the age problem, and actually they've covered it. You know, we have plausible. We have a plan A and a plan B at full back. We don't have enough pace throughout the squad. We've got nothing. We're seriously lacking creativity midfield. Gareth Barry and Claudio Jacob when they played together and against uh, who was it? Was it Southampton? Yes. I know that was down to injuries, but that really, really uh, kind of you know showcased the, the the problems in the, terms the of imbalance, you know, immobility. Is more, it's more yeah, it's, it's, it's players who play together well, isn't it? You know, like like that. And like I say, the I think if you look at our, um, if you look at our, our wide players, they're sort of they're all the same really. They're all, they're all running straight lines and so on. So I get that. Well, I'm, well, let's come on to players. So I've put players. Where, where's players in your list of players? I've got players at five. I've got Pardew at three and Pulis at four. Yeah, so, that's, so, so players are four for me. Um, and, and, and I mean, the truth is, it's, it's a big kind of homogenous group. Yeah. If you were to ask me about players like Evans, Livermore, and Barry. I blame them. If you ask me about players like McLean, Noyam and Rondon, I don't blame them. Why? Well, I have greater expectations on the like of Evans, Livermore and Barry. When Barry came in, Barry's an example. Of yeah. I thought he was going to be, he was going to be a good player. I thought he was, going to, I thought he was a better player than Darren months, Fletcher. For the, best, for the first three or four months, he was. Do you actually think that? I so think I'm, alongside, I'm really alongside Krakowiak and, was it... Uh, they always struggle to make Krakowiak, Livermore and Barry work. That's yes, yeah, yeah. But I thought Barry, for the first two or three months at least, was the pick of the three. And I sort of felt like we were trying to convince ourselves of that, really. If, if I had to say the pick of the well, three now... Well, maybe he's just the best of a bad bunch. Maybe. If I had to say the pick of the three now, and I'd have said it then, I'd say Krakowiak. And I think you know, I don't think he played well, I just think I just never felt really, really felt Barry Krakowiak did. Krakowiak showed glimpses and nothing more. And they were, when there were glimpses, you thought, wow, he's a real player, but... But they they've let be. us down. I mean, there's a, no question Evans and Barry have let us down. Livermore, I think, is an interesting one, actually. You were saying earlier on. I mean, Livermore has been terrific under Darren Moore, but does that really just expose what he wasn't before? And he's got a World Cup to get to. 
and a potential Premier League club move to, exactly. to get in the summer. And okay, maybe that has just coincided with with more um, overseen proceedings, but undoubtedly he has. You know, dare I say he's added goals to his game as well. Yeah. So even if even if it was a combined total of five yards out from which he scored the two goals. How much money do you reckon he's added to his value? I reckon Livermore might have added five million to his value in the last couple. Of I years. think I think that even in the space of eighteen months that we've had him. I think the transfer market's just gone mad. That's all right. And what, what and do you so, reckon for him? He could, he's, I, I, he's a fifteen to twenty million pound uh, player. Absolutely, isn't it? fifteen million quid for Jay Livermore for an England international. Yeah. Jack, Stoke want forty million for Jack Butland. Come yes, on. exactly. Do you know what I mean? If if we're not holding out for fifteen twenty million for someone like Livermore, then it 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 would be scandalous. So fifth on my list is Mark Jenkins. Have you said mm. he's second on yours? Yes, he's second so on mine. I, I, that, I think that was the key thing about uh, coming back straight to the club and not. Getting rid of Pardew earlier, yeah, and it's quite clear that Pardew, much like Pulis, was just someone that needed to get out of the club by the end. Yeah, and uh, I think it's had a heavy, he not gone, the accountability this though, the the, the, the you know, but it is, yeah, yeah. But I'm trying to think. I've got to get my, I've got to chronologically, I've got to get my dates right now because I think that Huddersfield game when we lost at home to Huddersfield, yeah. He should have gone then. Well, he, uh, at the latest, he should have gone then, yes. In fact, even the Chelsea game the yeah, week before yeah. when we were beaten and on the Monday night. I'd have been... Ahead I'd of the Huddersfield give, game. I'd have been thinking, giving a run for a new manager to that Huddersfield game minimum. Because then you think... And then the Huddersfield game, you lose that. That's got to be the last straw. Yeah. To then go and give him Bournemouth, Watford, Leicester, Burnley... I just more, more probably would have taken six, seven points from those games. And we'd be sitting where, you know, kind of... Uh, I mean, fifteenth now. There were obvious. It was. It was. Seemed fairly evident to me that it was a financial decision that they didn't want to. They didn't want to give Pardew a big power for a season that had already written off. The the fact that they wrote off the season so early, and the fact that you've had someone like Darren Moore come in and not written it off now, is an embarrassment to the board and Jenkins, and that they should recognise it. But I would contest why Jenkins isn't high for me. Is that he wasn't there at the start? You know that this this um, that. Uh, he, he didn't recruit Par- Pardew. He didn't sack Pulis. He he's not that accountable for for the structure. And and indeed, I mean, I know he was there when they ripped up the structure for Pulis. But I mean, fundamentally, it's not a Jenkins piece kind of a structure. So it's it's kind of lower down for me. Um, but because I yeah, feel no, like I, I would I would totally yeah I get that I get he should have sat. There's it's no question, debatable, isn't it? But and, and, and Huddersfield, I think every Albion fan points to. I'd say Huddersfield was the last moment you should have put that, sat. That was you. when I I honestly thought, how on earth can you stay on here? And history says, I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but history shows it realistically. Oh well, well here's here's Quizby. Go on then. Would Darren Moore have saved um, saved Albion if you gave it him after after Huddersfield? Um, I think so. I mean, I'm not going to suggest he's going to go the rest of the season unbeaten, but he, he, I think he'd have overseen a spell in charge where it's obviously going to be extended compared to the one that he's overseeing now, i.e. six games. If you said to him, actually, here you go, you've got 16 games, yeah. or whatever it was, then I think, okay, relatively speaking, it might not have been as impressive as what he's done now, but he, yeah, I, I think, no, well, I I think, think so. for certain, I think they'd have got to... What were they on then? They were on about twenty points, weren't they? And I mean, if you think about, you know, can't tell me Huddersfield. He, he would have he would have got a sixteen, seventeen points well, from the remaining you've game. You've had Huddersfield at home, Southampton at home, and mm. Swansea at home, which for which we took one point from them. Then, and the away games, though, mate, as well. But, but I mean, they're, they're nine know. points, on, and and I, and I think anyone anyone yeah, yeah. other than Alan Park, we lost them all away as well. Would have took points from them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, so six for me. This is going to be controversial, but six, number six on my list is uh, is Tony Pulis. I mean, unquestionably, Pulis had an involvement in this. There was seventeenth when he went. He set. He he. he um, he was taking the club in the wrong direction. It wasn't a happy club. These players that were underperforming under, under um, Pardew to a large extent were underperforming under under Pulis to a certain extent. He hadn't got that balance right in midfield. He wasn't, you know, Krakowiak was going nowhere with us. He'd upset Chadley, obviously, that kind of going in the wrong direction. He, um, another thing about Pulis I would throw in is that he destabilised the whole recruitment um, part of it. The reason why Hammond isn't higher for me because... Hammond would be accountable for for recruitment, but not for the fact that he's not really, because Pardew took it away from uh, Pulis took it away from him. So I think Pulis has been a big part of why we got relegated. But um, I th- mm. and, you know, I'm never one that, need, that that feels the need to be popular. It's almost like now um, it's it's a um, it's a measure of how much of a football fan, Albion fan you are, how much you blame Pulis for everything. Well, I don't, and I don't actually. Th- I, I think some of these you know, these national commentators who glibly say, "Well, you know, second Tony Pulis um, took you down." are more right than a lot of Albion fans are in truth. They've, don't get me wrong, Pulis is going in the wrong direction. The, the, I, I think, I think, I think all, there's, there's some big question marks about, about how much his heart was really in Albion and so on. But I've retained the view that he wouldn't have taken a genius to keep, up, keep Albion up. And I have the view that Pulis would have kept Albion up. I, well, I mean, I'm just basing this on form. You say that Tony Pulis oversaw a run of, OK, spanning two seasons, Tony Pulis oversaw a run of two wins in 21. Yeah. It, if you were at that Chelsea, if you were at the Huddersfield game the week before, in the away end where they took three thousand or whatever, and they were like just berating him for an entire half uh, as he set up with a kind of a five-four-one formation at Huddersfield away, then the week before, the week after when they were spanked by Chelsea, I just I, I'm I'm really struggling to see where it was going to get better. That's true. Just, where was he going to get? What were they on about? They were going to need about 20, 25 points from the position, that position that they were in. Where were they going to come from for the remaining twenty five games? Yeah, but history said that. that I know, I know, it. absolutely. But it's not even but, that. I mean, I'm not. This is not to say that I would advocate Pulis at the end of the season. And I said this at the time. What I wouldn't advocate is sacking him and replacing him with someone who's ill prepared for it. The act. What I am an advocate of is Pulis needed to be moved out of the club, and he probably probably couldn't have got to the end of the season with him. But they should have sat with him until the right candidate came along. That's what that's what should have happened. And dare I say, you know, if it was a Sam Allardyce, and that's fine because he's someone who's got a track record of keeping teams up. If it was a manager from abroad that was exceptional, the, the next Mauricio Pochettino, then fine, give that a go. I'm not sure the squad would have been right for it, but that's fine. If it was, um, you know, Chris Wilder or something, if, if they had a plan, that's yes, fine. Yes, that's the thing. But, they, but, were, they were afraid to. Out when but you do. can't blame you can't blame Pulis for who replaced him, and the, tr- the truth no, is, no, you, you sack a manager when you have a better alternative. And, I've, and as I've already made it abundantly clear, Alan Pardew was not a better alternative to any manager. No, 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 no. Well, I, I, I quite agree. And as I've already kind of touched on, it was just almost a lazy appointment just to kind of give it to the bloke who was a free agent who had Premier League experience. Blah blah blah. Same mould as Pulis in that respect. He's managed a few Premier League clubs. And oh, can you just keep this squad up, please? Um, yeah. And it was just never going to work. Actually, I should have mentioned this before. Actually, the thing that the the worst thing that um, Williams and Goodman did um, aligned with recruiting Pardew 
it was a catastrophic thing to say that we're ruling out anyone who's not managed in the Premier League. You know, it was, it, it, was, it was to say, we're recruiting a manager and we want to be absolutely certain that they're a failure, basically. You know, the, the, it, was a, it was a really, really daft thing to say. Yeah. Because look at Darren Moore. Look at Darren Moore now. Look at... Um, Never managed in the Premier at, League. I mean, Mark Hughes is just, just about going to scrape up with, uh, with um, I mean, Southampton. Paul, Paul Lambert was, was an awful Exactly. And, and, and what this season shows is, if you're a chairman who thinks it's a really good idea to recruit someone because they've re- relegated someone else from that division, then you're a moron. You know, if, you, you know, if, if, I, if I were to go out now and, and, and recruit a, a, um, a reporter that doesn't know how to write, I'd go and find one that doesn't know how to write, but that's not actually what I want. I want someone who understands you know, English and that kind of thing. <laughs> well, they went and they basically said that our archetype is, um, is someone who has, has, has failed in the past. Well, then that's what they got. Congratulations. You brought in a manager that didn't win any games in Crystal Palace. And guess what? He didn't win any games with Albany. They were well done. <laughs> you know, you it's really a shame, it's a shame actually, because for a lot of people at Crystal Palace, it would have been, oh, well, he's not going to get another Premier League job now, is he? Uh, the West Bromwich Albion come along give him that job. Yeah. And only now with the national with, with the national consensus be, well, Alan Pardew isn't getting a Premier League job. No. But it's taken his time at West Brom, a catastrophic and very, very costly tenure at West Brom to realise that so unfortunately we've had to prove that so, so next in my list is Nicky Hammond where have you got him in yours I heard him six yeah seven for me I mean for me the thing about Hammond is there are a lot of other people fingers um, pointing you know, other than Nicky Hammond I think the question I'd ask about Hammond is what was he for you know if, if you've got a technical director that well, doesn't have any involvement in recruitment yeah. and what, 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 there, what did he do what was it, what was it for? brought what, whole Robson Carnum in yeah, well, I, I, I do. Is it? Well, I mean, did he bring Hal Robson Carnum in? I'm not sure. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going really by not even so much the Reading thing. It was more Tony Pulis was quite clearly not happy with Hal Robson Carnum as a signing. Yeah, and so well, if he's not Pulis' signing, he had to be Hammond's signing. I think you took to come back to your earlier point about accountability. It struck I me. Mean, he was a director, and hence he's accountable. I mean, fundamentally, I just don't know what he was for. I think he. I think he. He came to let Pulis decide everything. I'm not. If he was involved post Pulis, didn't work. You know. No, I, I'm, no. I, I, I credit Albion with the role of the dietary steward. It didn't work. They brought down a surgeon because they recognised that everything that things were failing, and, and 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 I would say that's kind of fair enough. And I mean, you're right. I mean, it'd be. I'm the same as you. After the summer, I was happy. After January, I was happy. Um. So so. The Ali. The Ali G. The Ali G. Signing is. Uh... Yeah, I but just, I mean, it was it was always an irrelevance that. But um, but I was happy. I was happy both times. But I don't think actually you'd actually necessarily credit Hammond with either because I don't. Because I don't think he had his hand on the tiller oh, no. a, a, about transfers essentially. No, no. Um, so finally, fans. Yes, yeah, so, so I brought this one on Twitter, and someone said someone pointed out the fans was to blame, and I can understand what they're saying. And I thought, and I'm you know, again, no desire to be popular. I think that the um, <laughs> good job. I think that the pressure that you alluded to earlier on about Pulis. Is is the fans right? I'd never ever criticise a fan for you know following a Tony Pulis team that you know watching fifty away games in a row, none of which we ever tried to win. They were right. It's not fair, and so on. But it was a pressure that was brought to bear on a board that was ill prepared for that pressure. And fundamentally, mm. they didn't sack Pulis at the right time. They should have either sacked him earlier because the right manager came. Well, they should have. Yeah, that's what I said. Or later because the right manager. They came should have parted company with him probably. Uh, it's it's so easy in hindsight. But whenever, but in, if they in the sacked summer, him in the, in the summer, summer, that's fine. If they mm. sacked him next summer, that's fine. If they sacked him the day after they sacked him, that's fine. But if they did it because the right manager came along, then that's the reason. You know, um, uh, it's funny how these things come and go. I mean, a few weeks ago, you said, "Well, Carlos Carvajal was the right manager." I mean, it turns out that, that that's not right, and it's not easy. But um, but the fans no, had no, had no. a part to play in Pulis going. 
and while it's you know it's not for a fan to strategically boo because you're not trying to win away at, H- at Huddersfield, it brought pressure on the club to sack the manager at the time, which was Goodwin's and Williams' fault really. At a time when they didn't replace him right, and I just wonder, and I don't know, but I just wonder if what Jeremy Pearce would have done is soaked up that pressure while he found the right person to take Albion forward. That's the right thing to do. That's not the fans' fault. Yeah. Hence their bottom of the list. It ain't the fans' fault. And to be honest. I was pretty fed up of watching Tony Pulis football as well, you know. Oh well, yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting actually on a on a on a separate note to see how Middlesbrough get on next season if they do go up because that's another that's another very very similar club in in, in terms of stature and a squad that needs a lot of work to it. Really, I would suggest Middlesbrough got a couple of handy players, but much like under Karanka the last time they were up, you know, they're, they're going to need some additions. To I would take the view if Pulis gets Middlesbrough up he will definitely stabilise them in the Premier League but what I would say is the Pulis at Middlesbrough isn't the same as the Pulis at Albion and the Dave Kemp thing's interesting how he's prepared to come well quite yeah I mean P- Pulis not much has been made of that um, but Pulis's heart is in the Middlesbrough job and it wasn't in the Albion job at the end so you know, I'm, I am often a type of Pulis at Apologies I'm not I'm just I just ne- I will never ever ever agree that Tony Pulis that the issue of Tony Pulis ever outweighs the issue of sacking him and recruiting Pardew. It'll forever be that that that, that <laughs> I don't well that's kind of why I've got Williams and Goodman at the top of my list really. Yeah, no, no I think and I think I think there's there's some good reason with that. Well th- so that's it. I mean we've assigned blame, it's, it's it seemed like the right right week for it. I'm gonna tell you next week that um we're gonna be looking at uh, player ratings, we're gonna be assessing which players, uh, you know, from one to ten, how we rate the players. We've got uh, a special guest in for that, but equally, we'd like you to get involved, really. So, so if you want to send in to us your uh, your player ratings for the season, ranking the players one to ten for this year, then we will uh, make sure it's part of next week's um, next week's uh, at Woodman Corner. So please do do that. You know how to get in touch with us. You can um, you can hit us up on Woodman Podcast on Twitter, or find myself, Graham Brown, or Joe Chapman on Twitter. You can email us. We're eminently findable, so do feel free mm. to do that. Um, in the meantime, thank you ever so much for joining us this week. Thank you, Joe, for your thank your you, debate. Graham, for your quality hosting skills as always. <laughs> and uh, yeah, boing boing to all the Albion fans going to Crystal Palace this weekend. Exactly, one last hurrah, hopefully. Yes, hopefully, uh, hopefully the the, uh, the Darren Moore show continues. So thanks for joining us again this week. We will we'll see you again next week. Yeah.